Welcome to another episode of Reverse Ambition, a podcast that features those who take a leap of faith to follow your dreams and passion. My name is Kelsey Cooper, aka The Social Broker, and I'm very excited to have today's guest. She is the founder of Silver and Riley, a luxury travel and fashion accessory brand. Uh, she came from a, a entrepreneurial parents. She is a global citizen. She's been over a hundred countries. She has four degrees, <laughs> at least four degrees. I, I counted four. She has studied business school around the world, including Brazil, Germany, Netherlands, London, and Italy. Lord have mercy. Um, the idea of Sylvia Raleigh took 10 years to develop, uh, but she just leaped into it. Um, currently, she's a full-time career. Her full-time career is a corporate strategist, executive, and innovation partner at Salesforce, one of the world's largest tech firms. She comes after years as a strategy consultant executive at Deloitte and Accenture. Please welcome Lola Banja. Banja. Is it Lola Banja? Yes, Lola Banja. Yes, got it. What's up, girl? <laughs> What's up, Kelsey? Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I'm super excited to be on it. And thank you for the great introduction. Man, listen, I kind of batched it up, but, you know, I think it's going to be... <laughs> no, it's okay. I think you've got the, the main highlights and the main key things. I'm sure people are probably like, what? This girl's doing the most. Oh, you are doing <laughs> the most. As a matter of fact, you did the most. I'm like, um, I mean, I'm so excited to talk to you about how you end up where you are now. I mean, I'm just... First of all, I had to cut down your bio. Like, it has so much information in it. <laughs> And I was like, how the hell, this woman, you're not old. You're like in your well, probably mid-30s, you know, if that. Mm-hmm. And you did all this, you know. Um, but we're going to get there. What I usually start off with is ask my guests is to take me through the journey from where they're from, where they went to school, what they majored in. And ultimately, we're going to end up where we are today. That works for you? That works. Perfectly. Love it. All right. Let's go. Great. So my name is Lola Banjo. Uh, I guess beginning. Um, Born in Brooklyn, bedside, do or die. Nice. Brooklyn. (laughs) Uh, I've lived in Brooklyn, Brooklyn in the house. I've lived all over the world, though, so I consider myself a global citizen. Uh, I've lived in London. I've lived in Lagos. I've lived in the Netherlands. And I lived in Jersey, where actually I went to college at Rutgers University, uh-huh. and I majored in engineering and math. So mm-hmm. I was super passionate about like solving problems and using. I mean, I was a nerd from like when I was a kid, and so I knew I was going to study engineering and math in some form or shape. Uh, and so that's what I majored in. Graduated from Rutgers with a major in material science and engineering math, computer science, and economics as my minor. Quick question. And what age did you de- what age did did you decide that I wanted to be an engineer? Like much most kids don't know nothing about <laughs> engineering. 
Oh my gosh, my father definitely let me know about engineering from very early. So mm-hmm. from like age five, I was like, I actually thought I was going to be uh, a, an astronomer. Mm. So I was like, yeah. So I was like, I'm going to be an astronaut when I grow up. Wow. And so I, <laughs> and so I just I learned everything about like the Milky Way, the galaxy from my father very early on. Uh, and because he's actually a, he has a PhD in, in physics and he's super into engineering and science, uh, a lot of the things that you know we did when I was younger was around like science, science experiments, learning oh, about physics. Like he used to, yeah, he used to make us read like my brother and I read um, physics textbooks in like two days, like from front to cover. I knew everything about thermodynamics and Newton's law and Boyle's law and, and all kinds of laws but by the time I was like my early adolescence here. So, wow. you know, and I actually really love this. I know like some people tell that story to say like my dad put me through blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I actually really appreciated that because I think that thinking the way that I was able to kind of be grounded in that, like always asking questions, always like mm-hmm. curious about how to solve problems really has resonated like and followed me throughout life. Mm-hmm. So I'm so grateful for him for doing that, you know? So, uh it's something that I'm eventually going to torture my kids with as well. Wow. <laughs> because, you know, whatever field that they end up going into, whether it's music, sports, um, I think whatever, and it doesn't have to be a science grounded, but whatever kind of ways that you're involved in their life, to kind of like instill that discipline and that mm. critical analytical thinking, like where you're actually like very curious about things and asking questions it's going to get, I feel like it's going to get you very far in life. Like, so um, it applies literally to any field. Uh, my dad just used science because that's where his background is in. Right. Um, so I ended up loving it. I loved it. And, you know, throughout my teenage years, I said I was going to become a mathematician. Actually, I was like, um, I'm going to study math, but then I realized that I'm probably going to become a math professor, mm-hmm. um, get, get a math PhD. And I was like, you know what? I actually like engineering better. So I started gravitating towards like taking AP classes in, in, um, high school and learning about like, you know, physics, I took AP physics, chemistry. Um, and you know, so I was on that path like quite early. Um, uh, but it was, of course, not easy. Right. I mean, uh, I, sound like you did a lot. Did you have any kind of like social life, you know, growing up? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so my, my, past, so it sounds like I was just like, I was a nerd through through. I just went to school and everything was all gravy. But no, I actually, when I was 14, I, I was I, up to when I was 14, like from ages eight to 14, I was actually living in Nigeria. Uh, and then I came back to America when I was 14 to finish up my high school. And there was a series of things that happened in my family life that made the path and that, that journey and transition very difficult. Uh, so it definitely wasn't easy at all, um, even though I knew that I was going to be an engineer. Uh, I wanted to study it. Um, there was a lot of things that definitely shook up that foundation. Right. Uh, and I, I can get into specifics if you want. But, you know, so... And I tell my siblings or just anyone that I mentor now that, you know, it, they look at my bio and they say, oh, you have all these degrees and you, you know, it must be so easy for you. Like you must be super smart. And it's never that. It's just like, 
you know, you have passion for something, you work at it. I think mm. I'm probably not of any superior of intelligence, superior intelligence than anyone else. It's just that I had passion for these things. And I was determined, no matter what life threw at me, to kind of work at it and just work at what I love. So, so that's how you end up uh, with four degrees? Like That's how pa- I ended up with four degrees. <laughs> you had a passion <laughs> for engineering, mathematics. Uh, what else? Yeah. You got your MBA. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> well, like, so it turned, into, it turned into, like, from a passion to realizing that, you know what? I actually start to have, I have to start making money for myself, my family, and again, I went through a lot of things in my family life that uh, made that pretty much like a like I didn't have a choice but mm. to to make sure that I'm gravitating towards those things. And you know, I research research very thoroughly on uh, which fields were going to be the most lucrative that were going to get me like employment, make sure my skills are being used, and so on and so forth, in order to be able to land myself. Um, you know, in a position that I felt like was comfortable that I was going to be able to provide for my family. So, um, so you did your research at an early, this was like during college (laughs) that you did your research to figure out basically how you're going to make the most money. (laughs) Uh, Exactly. Exactly. I didn't want to put it like that, but yeah. You got to keep it 100 here, girl. (laughs) Listen. You want to keep it raw, man. Keep it, you know, no judgment. Yeah. I used to, I used to look at bios of like people that I admired. So I decided very early on that I did not have any musical or entertainment talent. Mm-hmm. And so the only talent that I seemed to have was the talent of like academics. And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to hone that and make sure I am leveraging that as much as possible. So I put all my energy into that. And I was like, that's what's going to. Uh, make me successful in life and make sure that, you know, my path is different and, you know, get me on the, my desired um, trajectory through success. Right. So, um, and that's what I did. Like, I actually, I played soccer as well growing up and I thought maybe I will become an athlete, but then that didn't work out. So Mm -hmm. I was just like, I poured my energy into school. Wow. Where did you get that focus? Like, it just, just because you had to, because of your situation in terms because of family. I had to. Right. Exactly. Because I had to. So, um, you know, like I mentioned, a lot of things happened, especially around when I was in my teen years. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of very significant ones um, was leaving my family and coming to America by myself. And then um, my mother passing away. Mm. And then um, oh, your mother passed I away during your teenage years. Yes, exactly. Wow. Uh, and then I suffered from depression where I was actually at one point. I, I, I thought I was going to kill myself. It was just like, what? there was a lot of things going now, on. Now, first of all, <laughs> if you see this woman, this woman is amazing. She's on top of the world. I mean, when I say she's amazing, she's killing it. Uh, her money's good. She looks good. I mean, but she came a long way, clearly, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I think that's what also, you know, not to fast forward to today, but anytime I go through challenges today, I always kind of remind, remi- remind myself of my teen years and my, my 20s, my early 20s, where, I mean, at one point, it seemed like there was no hope to, for success. And wow. There was nothing else I could do. And I was able to 
navigate through so many challenges to make it out of that. So I always remind myself that. How did you do that? I mean, how did you navigate coming from so low to to a point where, okay, I got to make this happen and I'm going to make this happen and you made it happen? I mean, what sparked it for you? Did you have help? Did you... Were you inspired by oh, somebody? Um, how did you come from that to... Absolutely. So, first of all, you, there's nothing that you can do by yourself. Like, even even if you're the one that's putting in the work, there's absolutely... You have to have a support system of people that, you know, whether inspire you or encourage you verbally or, in, you know, any kind of ways, like whether they're saying it directly or just, like, you're inspired by their existence. Mm-hmm. So, I definitely had... I definitely had help in that sense. And I do have family and friends that supported and loved me. Uh, and so absolutely that was, uh, that was there. Uh, but I think my main inspiration was, you know, my mother, my mother instilled that kind of, you know, perseverance and spirit of being a fighter through no matter what she used to say, one thing that I will always remember and always I'll pass on to my kids. And, you know, she used to say, whatever you're going through, anything, like it could be like you have a headache or you hit your leg or you're going through a big life event. She used to say, no condition is permanent. Mm. And I used to be like, what does that mean? Like, what are you talking about? And she said that all the time, like, no condition is permanent. It doesn't matter what you're experiencing today. It's not going to last forever. If you're down, the only way to go is up. Mm. And if you, even when you're going through good times, you should, you should cherish it because nothing lasts forever. If you love someone, they're not going to be here forever. No mm. condition is permanent. So make sure you're enjoying and being optimistic about everything that's happening in your life. Mm-hmm. And it sounds cliche, but those words as has stayed with me throughout my life. That's, um, what, that's what kept you, know, you going during you those lows. During those lows. Listen, Kelsey, college, I took 81 credits in one year because I knew I had to graduate and I was so far behind. Oh, my God. 81 credits. Why were you so far behind? Because of everything you was going through? Because of everything I was going through. I couldn't pay for school. I was deregistered. You know, my my mother passed away, so I dropped out of school for a bit. You know, there was a lot of stuff going on. And when, you know, I just, there was the one year I was just like, listen, you are going to make it. You're going to be successful. You know, your mom did not work hard for you to give up. Like mm. she did not get you this to this to this point for you to give up. It's okay. And, 81 credits know, is how many classes? <laughs> that sounds like a lot of classes. Man, let me tell you, that's a lot of classes because the average workload for a year is about 30 credits. That's two um, semesters of 15 credits each because each, each class is about three credits, right? So I was so far behind though that, I had to make up ground, and not only did I have to graduate, I felt like I needed to graduate very strongly mm. uh, with multiple minors, like in order to like make myself undeniable for that job or career. Because I just I was like I don't want anyone to ever say no. So you said eighty one really, credits in one semester or one year? One year. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> okay. okay. So this is how it broke down. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the summer term, I took 19 credits. In the fall, I took 31 credits. I'll never forget. It was 10 classes in one lab Ouch. that I had to take. 
Damn. And the winter term, I took six credits. And then the spring, I, I took, like, the balance, which I think was, like, 25 credits. So that's how it broke down. Like, I was always in school. But oh. I had to do what I had to do, Kelsey. Like, I was, like, I was far behind. And I needed to graduate and start making money. My brother came um, from Nigeria as well. And he was, you know, essentially looking up to me. And, you know, I had to figure out a way to pay for his school. And, wow. you know, so I was like, listen. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta get things done, you know. <laughs> so this is you talking to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I was like, listen, you gotta get things done. There's no time to feel sorry for yourself. You need to just get it together and keep going. And I looked at my mother, and even my mother and father, like throughout their lives, they never had it easy. Even mm. being together, they never, they didn't have it easy. They're from different religions and their families were opposed to their, them being together. And so I looked at how they were able to navigate that challenge and all those challenges that they faced. And I was like, I have the spirit of a lion. Like I was wow. birthed by warriors. Like why you know, would it's I It's funny <laughs> because I see that stuff on social media. Like, you know, like, oh my God, you know, my ancestors did not come this far for us to quit yeah. you know that's real <laughs> and you're like living testament of that uh that's in real. terms of know, go ahead Kelsey, no matter no matter how i think this perspective always helps me no matter how bad i may be feeling or down i may be i always think about the fact that i have more opportunity than so many like billions in this world mm. and, I, and not to minimize or diminish anyone's experience right but that perspective always keeps me going because i am fortunate and blessed to have two working limbs mm. i don't have any disabilities i have my hands i have my brain and for all the ills that we you know we have in america and the western world we are still in a society that somewhat does reward merit as opposed to a lot of places in the world where people would never they could be twice three times as smart as hardworking, uh as determined as we are but they'll never get those opportunities so i always mm. think about them you know wow. and so i'm like who am i to diminish my my chances and my opportunities when so many people wish they were in this position okay so you did like four years of credits in one year graduated like you said you had to be on top of your class so you could be attractive for the job definitely market. not on top of my class <laughs> <laughs> somewhat close in the middle what did you do after graduation like so after graduation i worked as an engineer so i was using my degree and I really enjoyed it, but I started to realize that even though I, I, I loved the technical quantitative training that I got, I enjoyed working with people mm. and I didn't want to be restricted to just working with programs and things. I wanted to work with people. Mm-hmm. So I, at the same time while I was working, I actually started going to grad school um, and got my master's in mm-hmm. financial engineering. And that actually came about because like I took on 
a minor in economics when I was an undergrad, and I really enjoyed the topic. I wanted to learn more about the financial system and how money works. So that's why I decided to do um, my master's in financial engineering. And also because, you know, to be completely honest, I was like, there's a lot of money in it. Uh, <laughs> financial engineering is like accounting or is it finance? I mean, what is financial engineering? It's, fi- it's like finance on speed. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it is using financial models to predict the behavior of assets and mm. portfolios. So it's like building models, very math, heavy, heavily based in math and, um, you know, it's like quantitative models, doing analysis, regression, like things like that. Uh, and of course, my background being that, you know, math is my, has always been my favorite subject. It makes sense for me to go that direction. Right. Um, and, you know, actually, I enjoyed it very much. And um, I was thinking I was going to actually go into the financial or services industry, um, but I was finishing up my career, my degree at the same time that we experienced the the stock market crash, wow. uh, the really bad one. Um, so, oh eight, oh eight. Exactly. So I decided to change course and went into corporate finance instead, where it's more like you know, uh, corporate finance, like where you're, I was working as assistant controller at L'Oreal where mm. you're filing the, the 10K, the reports, uh, you know, looking at monthly variances as opposed to like the investment finance side where you're working with asset classes and, you know, stocks and hedge funds or whatever. Right. So, um, you know, it was a slight shift, but it was a, a shift that I made like to just secure my, my future and not have to worry about, um, the, the, you know, every company needs finance, uh, like corporate finance professionals, as right. opposed to, you know, the stock market can be have a lot of volatility. Right. There's so many people that I know who graduated from um, Harvard and um, Wharton and all these top business school that had no jobs in finance in 08. So, or actually 08, 09. And I was like, wow, you know, and they have accumulated all these debt and loans. So, what you know doing that pivot was 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 genius yeah yeah um i mean you know what like i wouldn't say anything that i've done has been genius it's really like just me taking a leap of faith and trying what i think would work out best at the time Mm. and you know and not every decision i've made has, has been excellent but you know sometimes you don't know until you actually do it and you're like okay this one is not for me let me move on to the next one mm-hmm. or else you're always like thinking what if, you know? So. Right. All right. So you uh, took a job at L'Oreal as a financial analysis type person. Uh, how right. was that experience and um, how long did you stay there? Yeah, I was there for, um, I want to say like a little under two years. Uh, and the experience was good. It was great to work um, as a system controller and within the electricity division, um, understanding, you know, what really drives that segment, mm-hmm. understanding, you know, cor- corporate at that level, where it was my first time really taking on this role that I'm more so part of the front office, if you may, like, because I worked in corporate before, but it was in engineering, but this time it was, finance was one of their you know, um, more of a front office, probably middle office functions. Um, And so it was taking me towards more towards what 
I wanted to do, which was like, yeah, I wanted to use my analytical skills to work with people and really just be able to build relationships and solve problems too. So I really enjoyed my time there. Um, but I always knew that if I wanted to take my career further, uh, because especially because I obsessively stalked and read the bios of the executives and, you know, people that I was like, I want to emulate their careers. What did they do? And one thing that they always had is that they went to business school. So I was like, okay, if I want to be Indra Nui, who was like, she was the CEO of Pepsi Forever, you know, or uh, Ken Chenault, like the, he was the, the um, CEO Express. of American Express. Yeah. They all have MBAs, so I got to get my MBA as well. Okay. So that's 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 what was like, okay, I got to go to business school. Did you go part-time or full-time? I went full-time. Um, I was evaluating that um, when I was going. I was like, you know, I really want to go part-time because I want to continue to make money. Um, but I, I didn't want to, at the time, I felt like I wanted to get the full social, developmental, um, career and, you know, travel experiences that the full-time program provides. Mm -hmm. And all the programs are great. You know, they're amazing programs at the part-time, full-time executive levels, but I felt like full-time was good for me. Is that where you, London School of, School of Economics, where you went to business school? No, no, I went to business school at Emory in Atlanta. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. In the right. A. <laughs> I know, in the, in the South, dirty South. <laughs> In the dirty cell. <laughs> all right. How was that experience? That's all my people from Grisbetta. <laughs> so basically, so you transitioned from New York to Atlanta for two years. How was that experience? Um, I really enjoyed Emory. I love that school to death. Like, Emory is an amazing school. I love Grisbetta Business School and everyone, the staff. Everyone was great. Mm -hmm. um, Atlanta was definitely different getting used to. Even though I'd lived all over the place, most of my life I spent in the East Coast, like mm -hmm. most of the, you know, so I'm used to being from New York. And so Atlanta was just different. It, it took some getting used to um, at first, but then I started to really grow to like it. Um, one thing that we always talked about, like <laughs> my girls that we started our cohort with, you know, we're all single at the time. Actually, one of us was was single. And we always talked about how hard it was dating in Atlanta. Uh, but once we got over that, like, we all got into relationships by the second year. Wow. You know, it was like, okay, now we can actually really enjoy it. <laughs> I would actually, you know, talk about the dating aspect, but that's a different topic. <laughs> I'd <Right>. be like, <laughs> now we coming on relationship thing. We, You know, this is all about entrepreneurism. Um all right, so you had a great experience at uh, Emory, and you eventually grew, grew to love Atlanta. What did you do after Atlanta? Mm -hmm. And where did you get the idea for <laughs> Sylvia and Raleigh? Sylvia and Raleigh? So that idea actually came during the summer of my internship. Um, so when you do the full-time program, you do an internship between your first and second year. This is while in business um, school. While in business school, yeah. Uh -huh. So I was traveling. I was at Accenture, and I was traveling – a lot, um, like back and forth every week, because uh, that's what you do when you're a strategy consultant. Um, and one time I was flying back home, and it was a really, really cold flight. Mm -hmm. And I asked the flight attendant, may I please have a blanket? And she said, no, they only give blankets to first class. Wow. So I was like, what? Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's still the same now. <laughs> but right. anyway, so I was like, 
And then I suddenly got the idea. I was like, I need to create a travel line that everyone can enjoy. It's portable. It's stylish. And I just observed people, their travel patterns, what kind of, you know, what they struggle with and what, 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 what solves like everyday travel problems. And I was like, I need to create a travel accessories line. And mm-hmm. that was like that one thing is what inspired it. I mean, when you go to business school, I think you're always thrust into that uh, entrepreneurial environment. So you're constantly thinking about new business ideas. Like, Kelsey, no joke, I've come up with at least like 100 different business ideas, like in my life. And, you know, you're all constantly thinking of stuff like, I mean, that's literally what business school tries to help you kind of figure out, like how to think about fixing, creating things in the business world. So I had a lot of business ideas, but that was the one that I kept on going, going back to. Uh-huh. So I was like, this has some meat in it. This has something there. I need to explore it a little bit further. Um, so, yeah. So how long did you, I mean, I think it says it took at least almost 10 years to kind of dive into that. Um, yeah. What, so when I, sorry, what did you ahead. do leading up to, you know, to where you are now? So when I first had the idea and I started developing it, I realized that in order to start it, um, it was definitely a capital intensive business. Yeah. And in order to start it, it still is. <laughs> in order to start it, I need capital. And so I built up the idea and I just, I, I was working with my, my um, significant other at the time, now my ex. And, you know, we were fleshing it out and, it came time to get funding and I, we could not get any funding. Mm-hmm. I was like, darn it, you know, okay, you know what? I'm just going to keep on fleshing out the idea and going through, you know, just observing more and building out more. Cause I was like, maybe I didn't get funding because, you know, it's not good enough. Cause there's a lot of great ideas out there. Right. So I was like, okay, let me, let me keep on strengthening it. Uh, and then, you know, I went through a breakup, put it to the side and wow. then picked it up again uh went through another breakup put it to the side i'm not recommending that but right. <laughs> imagination but um i kept on putting it off but and then i just like really poured myself into my career and strategy consultant because after business school i took a full-time offer went and became a strategy consultant and mm-hmm. that took up like a lot of my time so it's a very um, very grueling travel schedule when you're consulting. You're constantly traveling Monday through Thursday. Even when you're not traveling, you're always working. Mm-hmm. I had round-the-clock work, even on weekends. Um, so I, I couldn't think about it. But it was the one... You remember I said I had, like, so many different business ideas. It was right. the one idea that just kept on coming back to me. Mm-hmm. And it would nag at me to the point that I actually started getting sick, that I was like oh my gosh, I am putting this idea off and I'm going to regret it if I don't do it. Wow. And it just, it just, it was like something, you know, when you just feel like you're, something is really heavy on your heart. Like, Mm. why are you not doing this? Right. And I'm like, and I'm watching life pass by and I'm like, why am I not doing this? I need to do this. Right. So almost like eight years later in 2018, (laughs) wow. I, I, I just booked a trip and went to Italy and started talking 
to, you know, just different like manufacturers. Well, I started researching first and I found out that, you know, I want to make, if I'm going to make leather products, like Italy is the place to go. So I booked the trip and I started talking to different people and just asking a lot of questions like, you know, what, like, how do you make this? Trying to learn about leather. I still wasn't sure exactly what direction I was going to take things in because, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to, at one, one point I was like, okay, I want to focus fully on travel. Uh, but then I'm someone that loves fashion. My mom was also in fashion. She, you know, um, had a tailoring business. She was always very well dressed and put together. So she instilled that style kind of aspect. Like she always made you feel like it was always like, if you look good, you feel good. Mm. So I was like, I love accessories that make you feel good and bring an outfit together. So maybe I should start to incorporate that into my, my um, business plan as well. Mm-hmm. And that's what birthed the idea of like incorporating fashion and travel, because it's something that resonates strongly with me. I've traveled extensively in my life and, you know, I love fashion. And I was like, those two actually kind of go hand in hand. You know, when you travel, you see people carrying purses and, you know, book bags and, you know, I'm always thinking about like, okay, how can I solve a problem um, that they're, you know, they're experiencing, or how can I make this more stylish, this super functional thing, a little bit more stylish, so you don't feel like you're wearing a travel uniform. You're kind of, kind of just like, you know, just all flows together. Mm-hmm. So that's when I was just like, okay, let me do travel and fashion together. Right. Now you said eight years you've been working on this idea off and on. Um, and you said mm-hmm. initially you had finance and um, getting financing issue. How were you able to get it financially going? Like you said, it was so capital intensive, you know, to start off. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, and it's something that I actually want to share about the buy one, get five program, which is a huge element of the brand today. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you one thing. It's not easy. And it was mm. not easy to get financing. Um, I will sit in Excel and just like map out what the cost that I need. So after that initial conversation I had with a whole bunch of like suppliers and I did the research, I realized that it was going to be very capital intensive. Mm. So over the years, I just started saving up. Wow. Um, I saved up. Yep. I started saving up. Uh, and and I don't say that lightly. I recognize that I, I, I am in a field like strategy consultants did provide me the avenue to be able to save up. And, you know, I was able to earn certain bonuses and things like that. And I would just put that money aside. Like I was like, I need wow. to use this to grow this business. So I was just like, I tried to practice as much discipline as I could to just save up over the years mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. be able to start it. But, Kelsey, I don't say that to say that everyone has the ability to save up and do that. And I know I recognize how hard it is to even be able to find money to save for an emergency fund. Right. right? And, you know, so it's something that I recognize not everyone is going to be able to do um, for sure. But in order to start, you have to start from somewhere. And if you keep on hearing no, you have to be the one that tells yourself yes. Right. So even if, I had to cut out certain things in my life to make it happen because I was like, okay, I'm not ever going to feel fully happy and fulfilled if I don't start this business. Mm -hmm. And the only way I can start it is if I put money into it. You know, now there are other ways that you can get funding, right? You can start a Kickstarter, you can, you know, do other things, but those are not as 
tried and tested and not as guaranteed as, you know, some may have you think it is. And so I knew that the only, the best way for me to do it um, was to just put my money into it. And it also made me feel because I'm putting my own money into it, like this is not monopoly money. I don't have venture capital funding. It makes me even twice as, as determined to succeed. Right. Because this is like my real money. When I lose money making prototypes, like today, it cost me $7,000 to make a prototype. Damn. You know, that's real money, right? So Damn. all these things, if I make a small mistake, you know, because I paid this or I, I did that, like the raw materials, those are all my real funds, right? right? That is money that I could go take and go do a trip or put towards my future kids' funds or, you know, those are, that's all real funding, right? So right. it makes me quite, like it makes me think through every decision um, a little bit more because my money is on the line. Like right. I'm literally like I have my destiny in my hands. Of course, God is controlling it, but my money is on the line. No one right. else's money. This is like so I can't I can't play around with it. Like mm-hmm. I have to I have to be a student of the game. I have to like research my butt off. I have to make sure that I'm asking the right questions. I'm learning from the people that have done it well. And, um, I'm just as diligent as possible with, with the, with the business, um, because my money is literally on the line. So are you eventually going to look for funding or are you going to continue? Absolutely. No, absolutely. I would love to look for funding eventually because, um, as much as I've been able to get to this point and, you know, I won't disclose you my exact amount, but I've invested well over six figures. Wow. It's still not enough to be able to get me to the size and scale that I really envision the brand growing to. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, I probably will have to look for um, outside funding, but I don't want to do it too prematurely. Like I want to push this as far as I can go. Um, one, you know, it, it feels intrinsically good that you are able to build something and um, yourself. So that's just how I feel. Two, I don't want to give out too much equity at mm. the start. Right? Um, mm. I want to, I want to be able to like show that hey, I'm able to build this thing, and now I have a team, and we're able to build this thing, um, and take it to that stage. So we don't really need the funding. Like we're not like dying right. for funding. Where right. you know venture venture capital firms are so disrespectful. They will take like fifty percent of your company and give you like fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> like, so, right. <laughs> Like for fifty percent of your company, so no, you got to get yourself to a point where you actually can show that I'm able to generate these results, um, and I just need a little extra funding to go into maybe a new market, you know, or a new product. Um, uh, I need to build a new product strategy or whatever it is, as right. opposed to like I need you to survive, you know. Right. No one ever, no one ever wants to. Like no one gives you funding like when you're like actually like so much in need. They always disrespect you with the funding that they give you. But when right. they see that you can make right. it without them, then they're they're more like, Okay, let let's hop on that as opposed to you begging for funding. Basically they're trying to jump on a bandwagon. <laughs> exactly. Right. So you said <laughs> so uh, they put some respect on your name when right. you, you come <laughs> you come different. So two questions. Um you said you uh what kind of team do you have? Um, currently working on this and you said you know well how do you envision it what's the ultimate vision for you know silver and raleigh 
So right now, well, up to actually early this month, it was all me. I was, I did have, I I did have an assistant very briefly last year for the holiday season, but up to this year, um, up to like literally early a couple weeks ago, it was all me. I was the one, I was the, the, the product development. I was the one researching. I was the one controlling the supply chain. I was the one fulfilling orders. I was a salesperson. I was the creative. Damn. I was the one editing. I built the entire website. I did everything. Wow. Um, and it's because I, I literally don't sleep. But, you know, when you have a vision, you just have to work hard mm-hmm. on it. And that's what I've been doing for the last, I mean, I want to say, like, when I started it up, like, fully put my energy and just, like, pushed the go button in May last year. And since May last year till now, it's been all me. Wow. Um, now, wow. yeah, now I You did an amazing job because it's, you know, it looks official. It looks good. Thank looks, you. It looks Thank really you. Good. And the products is really nice. I love how unique they are. I love the quality. Mm-hmm. You know, so Thank I'm like, you. yo, you're really passionate about it. And I could tell that you put a lot of effort into developing uh, Sylvan Raleigh. Where did the name came, come from, Sylvan Raleigh? That's a cool name. Yeah, I'll get into that, too. I'll get into that. No, but, you know, I, I love that you said that. And thank you. I don't take that lightly at all because uh-huh. I really, you know, when people say they put their blood, sweat, and tears into something, Mm-hmm. I don't think I really understood the gravity of that statement until I actually started this. Mm-hmm. Like, it, there's no blood, but I put my sweat and mm. I put my tears into this. Like, I and I don't say this to keep my own horn. Like, I actually get emotional when I think about it. There was a period of time that I did not sleep for mm. at least, like, two or three days straight. Because I was just like, wow. I was working so my fingers were aching because I could not type anymore. I was typing up stuff, emails, like, you know, building this and doing that, editing. I was just like working nonstop because I was just like, yo, I have to do this. Like, and I have to do it well. And no one's going to save me. No one's going to help me. No one's going to give me a blueprint. I got to do it. I got to figure right. it out. And this is while having a full-time demanding job. While having a full-time job. And that's, that's actually what made it probably more difficult, but also instilled a certain kind of discipline in me because it was like, okay, you know what? You do have this full-time career and you're trying to do this as well. So you have to be super regimented with your timing. Like you can't, you can't mess around. Like you gotta, you gotta, like I, I set a schedule and I said every single day I have to be in bed by nine o'clock, 9 PM, mm-hmm. because every single day I was up by one, one thirty every day. I got four hours of sleep. I, I don't recommend that, but one, one thirty AM and I will work till 7 AM because then I have to get ready for work for wow. my work work. So dope. it set that discipline in right. life for sure. Right. But now I actually have, I have um, an intern um, that started early. So actually, everyone started early this month. I have an intern. Um, I have a marketing consultant that's helping with, you know, um, the content development, social media. Because, again, up till now, it was like I was developing that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have an um, operations consultant as well that's looking at, you know, how can I scale this in terms of marketplaces and partnerships? Um, and things to to start to to look into. So it's a team of four. We're all women, um, nice. and I'm proud of that. <laughs> right. And we all have like 
different backgrounds that kind of um, really play off each other well. Like um, the operations uh, consultant, she has a, a background in um, merchandising and planning, buying. So she's able to think about what buyers will want to look for in a brand like this. Because eventually, I'd love to be, you know, in Neiman Marcus and and Bar um, in the Barneys. Um, <laughs> All right. Um, you know, so that that's the goal for, you know, looking into the future for sure. Right. Um, but for now, I'm just trying to identify what are the best marketplaces and partnerships and possible boutiques that can carry and appreciate like uh, products like these. Nice. So I'm um, still, you know, doing things simultaneously, a full time job and and building this company from the bottom level with your own funds. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. When do you think you're going to leave your full-time job? When is the projection? And ultimately, what's your big <laughs> picture? I mean, I know you want to be in these luxury um, outlets, but what's the ultimate mm -hmm. big picture for Silver and Raleigh? What you got to tell me the, the meaning of the name, by the way. Yeah, so I'll start with the name. So my mom was a, an entrepreneur and she owned several businesses. Um, she owned a bakery. She used to sell kerosene, which is like a oil product. Um, she used to be, she used to own a tailoring business. Uh, and she also sold um, jewelry as well. She used to um, fly to Damascus, like when back when it was like the epicenter of buying gold and Anyway, she bought and sold jewelry, and it was always gold jewelry because, like, Middle Eastern jewelry was always based on, like, gold. And, yeah, and I didn't like gold when mm. I was young, so I always asked her to buy me silver. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so I was the only one that she made an exception for, and she'll buy me silver jewelry. And so if you look at all my baby pictures, like, all my, all my pictures growing up, I had silver jewelry. Everyone else had gold. Nice. And so she called me so she called me her silver baby. And so that was my her nickname for me. Mm -hmm. And so I I just as I was thinking about the brand is dedicated to her, by the way. Mm -hmm. But I, as I was thinking about how to honor her, I went through so many different iterations of names. And I was thinking of names that I felt like had um an ability to have a crossover appeal. Mm -hmm. Um, where it's not first of all, it's not like you hear Silver and Riley, it could be a hotel, it could be a car company, right? <laughs> anything, right? So I wanted that, I wanted that name to be kind of like agnostic in that way, you know, where it's not really attached to anything, mm -hmm. but I wanted to be connected to my mom. So I picked, I picked Silver uh, to start with. And then I was thinking about my future and Riley has always been a name that I've loved. And mm -hmm. I'm like, whether I have a boy or a girl, I want to name, you know, my, my, my kid, Riley. Okay. So oh, you, you didn't name your Riley. kid Raleigh. <laughs> right. So I know <laughs> my current baby is Riley. <laughs> right. So I was like, Silver and Riley is a way to connect the memory and the legacy of my mom with my future. Nice. Ooh. So that's, <laughs> that's, dope. that's how I came up with it. Silver and Riley. All right. Okay. So when are you going to leave your job <laughs> and um, ultimately what's your end game for Silver and Riley? So, um, I would say something that's probably different from what you were, you probably thought you were going to hear. And also maybe what, I don't know. I actually really enjoy strategy. I mm. enjoy 
I enjoy what I do. Like I'm not, I didn't start this company because I, um, I, I want to leave job. my job. Like, I, right. Right. I feel fortunate for that because I do recognize that a lot of people don't like their job, but I feel fortunate that I actually enjoy what I do. Okay. I enjoy okay. strategy and, but it is a really important question because as I grow and scale, I'm going to have to ask myself, which one do I want to put all my attention into more? Because there's right. going to be a point where I can't, where I can't do both. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but at this point, I actually really enjoy strategy. I enjoy working. So what I do is I work with customers, uh, which are typically like, you know, anywhere from large to small companies, think about their long-term the future of their company, right? And how we can make them successful, whatever their their strategy is, not to use strategy to define strategy, but, you know, how can they build uh, uh, profitability? How can they go into new markets? How can they brand themselves? Essentially, the things that I'm doing for my business. <laughs> exactly. I'm doing it for large companies, right? So mm. I'm learning as I go. Mm. I learn what employees um, are asking for. I learn what the markets are asking for. When I do market segmentation analysis and competitive analysis for big companies, like, you know, throughout my my career doing advisory and consulting, I've consulted for large companies like Coca-Cola, Best Buy, CVS. Uh, And so I've learned things about what their customers are saying and, you know, how to build that customer intimacy, how to really be able to build a strategy that's future proof, how to use technology to your advantage and how to like make sure that you're thinking about, you know, um, competitors in a cohesive manner, all these Mm. things that are completely applicable to how I'm building my business. Right. So it's something that I love, like, and I'm learning you know, every every new engagement that I lead, I learn from it. Um, and every new engagement that I'm a part of, I learn from it. So it's kind of like it's going hand in hand. Right. And, you know, so I, I'm sorry I have a bad answer to your question. No, no, it's not. It's, there's no right or wrong answer. <laughs> honestly, it's a great answer, actually. You know, if you could, like, honestly do both and you could, like, cohesively coexist doing both why not you know that's that's you you actually financing your 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 passion so right right <laughs> it's not exactly. a bad answer at all <laughs> but you know like i said i recognize that there's going to be a point where you know maybe i'm not able to do both but one thing i'll say is i think for anyone that has a passion and an idea um even if you intend to leave leave your job to go do that idea, you definitely owe, you, owe, owe it to yourself, first of all, to see through any idea that you have, because guess what? It's going to nag at you forever. And you're going to feel like you're going to regret it if you don't go after it. So if you're able, able-bodied and have the physical ability to do it, please, please, please do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's better to start late than never start. Right. That said, you know, I think everyone, I think the biggest advice I give like to young people, um, people that ask me, oh, I want to start my company and I hate corporate, I hate my job, blah, blah, blah. I always ask them, what are you learning from your job today that you think will be able to transfer into what you want to do eventually? Because no matter what you feel about your current job, it's teaching you something, even if it's not like tangible skills. And mm-hmm. it often is tangible skills. And sometimes you have to look 
Like you have to really look deeper. But even if it's not tangible skills, it's teaching you something about people. It's teaching you something about yourself. So you always have to make sure that you're a student, no matter what situation you're in. I've had engagements that, you know, when I was in consulting that were so crappy. Like I was just like, I was, I want to quit. You know, this sucks. I don't deserve this. This person talks to me funny and yada, yada, yada. But I was like, I'm still learning something from each of those situations. Mm -hmm. Now it's always better when you're able to learn tangible skills. Like, you know, like, you know, for instance, what I just said that I'm actually taking a lot of things that I do uh, for my clients into my own business. That's like the perfect example. Mm -hmm. Um, But even if it's not that like one-to-one, you're still learning things. Like you're learning how to put a PowerPoint presentation together. Think about how that can transfer into you being able to put an investor deck together. You know, you're doing Excel, you're doing analysis. Think about how that can translate. You know, you're doing customer service. Think about how you can serve your own customers better, right? What are those, what what are your, what are your company's customers saying? And, you know, think about how you can take those insights and be able to apply it to the future to help build customer intimacy and build an excellent customer experience for your future customers. You know, so everything that you're doing, you can learn from. It's just about like, you know, some things can really suck, but um, a lot of times, like, if we just have the attitude that, you know what, I may not love what I'm doing right now, but it's going to lead me to a greater purpose, and I just have to stay grounded and stay under, undefeated in my mentality. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to know that there is a purpose behind what I'm doing, mm-hmm. and I just have to keep on going. Right. I mean, also, people fail to realize, like, okay, you hate your job, you hate this nine to five, but you have to be passionate about what you do. Don't quit just because you hate your job. You got to like love what you're doing because you're going to be working 10 times harder as an entrepreneur. Yeah. I love that you said that because I think people think entrepreneur, Oh, I'm going to be my own boss. And you know, like you still, you still have bosses when you're an entrepreneur, your customers are your bosses and they're demanding the most from you (laughs) than Mm -hmm. anybody has ever demanded from, from you. You know, so it's not easy. No matter right. what you do in this life, if you're going to have any kind of results, whether you sing, whether you dance, whether you, you're you uh, uh, an athlete or you're an entrepreneur, you got to have passion for it. Because if you don't, you're just, you're going to, you know, not be successful. So First you just, roadblock, you're going to like, oh, I'm done. You're going to quit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Trust me, I don't know. I, exactly. learned, I know because I've been an entrepreneur for like five years now. Um, and I've, Within that time, I've known there are times where I'm like, I needed to be running back to a nine to five, but I was like, nope, I'm not doing it, you know, because I was passionate mm-hmm. about my purpose and mm-hmm. passionate about, you know, it wasn't even, it's, it's kind of weird, but it's not even the money that, that drove me, is the outcome of, mm-hmm. you know, the vision that I had um, based on what I wanted to do and, and how it's going to affect people. And mm-hmm. that's what drove me, you know. Um, it's not money. I wish it was because uh, I'll probably be a little bit more savvy with my money instead of me just, you know, putting everything into <laughs> my passion. But uh, you know, but as I as I do it, I learn. I learn how to. Mm-hmm. It's not about money, but money is a major factor. So mm-hmm. you look at it as f money. You got to figure out how to make it work for you as opposed to you working for it so right 
I agree. I agree. And that passion and purpose is important. But I love the fact that you mentioned the money aspect. So, you know, you know how I mentioned it was super hard kind of Mm -hmm. saving up and starting up. I recognize, especially within our community uh, and for people of color and women in general, it's hard to get funding for your for your um, business in general. Uh, we're the most underfunded group of anyone that starts ventures. Like if you look at the stats, right. uh, I don't know. I have the exact stats off off the top of my head, but you know, I saw it recently. It was like very low. Like black women get like it's just a small, tiny percentage of um, what other people get, what the majority get. Mm-hmm. So that that has always kind of been in the front back center of my head. Like, how can I be an answer or how can I help with this situation and recognizing my own advantages, having the career that I do and having um, the financial resources that I do. I'm like, how can I make sure that I'm uh, acting in some way to provide those kind of uh, opportunities to others when we not have the same advantages as me. So one thing I'm super passionate and, and proud of is, um, and I love supporting women in general. I'm all about women and female empowerment. Um, so I wanted to incorporate that into the brand. So there is this buy one, get five element of the brand. And it's a way to basically support female entrepreneurship. Oh, for every oh. purchase that's made, mm-hmm, for every purchase that's made, 5% of that goes into this fund. And it's going to basically give grants to women um, that want to start um, grow and scale their businesses and it's literally going to be a grant not a not a loan it's going to be a grant that will help them in that in that pursuit um, because I recognize how hard it is to be able to like have money and funding to start um, your business wow. so right now yeah right now we're going to give the first set of thousand dollar grants it's not a lot yet um, but you know it's basically reflective of how um it's, it's reflective of like how we're doing as well. So as the business grows, this fund grows. Right. So I hope to eventually be in a place where I'm giving a hundred thousand dollars, you know, to women. Um, I want to create a full fund, like a full, you know, uh, um, even outside of, of the business, I want to create a fund that supports women and people of color, uh, specifically women of color uh, and specifically black women um, to start, um, grow and scale their own businesses. It's super important to me that we are being put in those positions that money is not the limiting factor mm-hmm. because I know how hard it is when you have an idea and you don't have the money to like to start it. Right. You know, it just feels so limiting. It feels like you feel helpless in a way. It feels right. like, you know, I, I wish I could just get $5,000 to do this. I'll be able to make it go boom, you know? And I look at venture capitals and the way that they're structured and, you know, it it is a benefit. Don't get me wrong. I don't take anything away from them. It is a business. They're structured that in that way. We are in a capitalist society and I'm all for capitalism a hundred percent, but a lot of them are structured to take the maximum from these entrepreneurs because they're trying to hedge and cover their risk. So I get it. Um, You know, but a lot of times, they take out, they take so much equity from these businesses. And it's like, how can I help women own companies out without doing that? Mm. Um, so 
you know, I came up with the, the with the program um, to, to be able to do like so. As I as I mentioned, like for now, we're given thousand dollar grants, and it's going to focus on uh, women uh, owned businesses, both domestically and abroad. Uh, but you know, as the company scales, I will scale that fund as well. I'm super passionate about it. Super passionate about it. I think that's the most. The if you look at the whole everything, the landscape of what I'm most passionate about with the company. I love product design. I love seeing people actually rock my stuff. But what I'm most passionate about is every time you make a purchase, a percentage of that is going to go back to a woman-owned business. Listen, I truly believe that it's going to be big and you're going to be able to do $100,000. I'm going to look back. When you become that big luxury brand that everyone is talking about i'm gonna look back at on yes. this podcast i'm like yeah i had her first <laughs> i had yes. her first i love it i mean I listen <laughs> you know your story everything that lead up to this point you know prepared you for the great things that's about to happen and i i truly Amen. honestly believe believe it and i'm so excited uh, i know it's gonna be a lot of work but i think you're definitely built for it Everything, like I said, from all the hardship you went through to, you know, all the wins you got prepared you for this moment, Lola. And I'm excited for you. And I can't wait to see and and see the world embrace everything that you're doing. So with that being said, thank you so much. I I, I honestly believe this ain't no BS either. I, I, you know, I don't do randoms on the show you know when i Mm -hmm. see something that that first of all is different is 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 it's aggressive it's like wow you know i'm Mm -hmm. like and i and i know that there's a lot that went behind it based on Mm -hmm. what i've seen i know that there's Mm -hmm. more to it so that's why i wanted you on the show so with that being said how can uh people find you and and how can people buy sylvan raleigh yes so Silver and Riley, www.silver, just like the metal, and spelled out A-N-D, Riley, R-I-L-E-Y.com. So that's www.silverandriley.com. Uh, we're also on Instagram, Silver and Riley on Instagram. Uh, and then you can find me personally um, on LinkedIn, Lola Banjo, or on my personal IG, which is Lola J. Bell. Um, and just all the place. I'm always um, somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> Giving a talk at a conference. Uh, yeah. Girl. And, uh... Thank you. <laughs> I mean, you drop so much knowledge. Like, my head is like about to explode. There's so much gems that you dropped in our <laughs> conversation. And it was so dope, you know, hearing about your journey as well as, you know, the passion behind what you're doing and like i said there was no right or wrong answer and this is the whole reason for this podcast there is no right or wrong way to do something the bottom line if you're passionate about it just do it (laughs) right right exactly figure it Mm -hmm. out you'll figure it out just do it exactly exactly with that being said i'm gonna sign off thank you yeah well thank you first um thank you for providing this avenue for me to talk in a very candid way and just provide an avenue for entrepreneurs to talk about their journey. Uh, and I think it's amazing what you're doing and I'm super excited to be a part of it and to support in any way. So thank you to you for doing this. No problem. This is something that I'm very passionate about because, you know, as an entrepreneur, I've been through it and I took a leap of faith 
at a later age stage in my life and in my career and i was like you know what you know i want to like let people know that it's never too late and they could do it too so that's why i'm doing this and wherever this goes it's gonna go but i'm uh, i'm excited that right now i'm having amazing guests like you on there telling your story and i know i know for a fact deep from my down my bone that you're gonna be big girl thank you kelsey i appreciate that <laughs> all right girl i'll talk to you soon thanks kelsey all, all right. right talk to you soon all right, all right. Bye-bye. thank bye. you bye Thank you all for tuning into Reverse Ambition Podcast. It is really a pleasure sharing these amazing journeys with you. It may take some time for you to find your purpose and realize your dreams or for your purpose and dreams to find you. When it happens, don't be afraid to pursue them. Be more afraid if you don't. Trust God, trust your journey, and most important, trust yourself and it will all work out. Until next time, I am Kelsey Cooper, The Social Broker. Thanks again for listening.